0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Noteworthy Podcast. I hope that you've all been doing well this amazing December and this Christmas season. Today on the podcast is a very special episode because today I'm going to be talking to my brother, Jonathan French, and we are releasing this as a dual episode. Um, Jonathan has started a new podcast called Whatever, with Jonathan French, he has five episodes out, and this interview is going to be his sixth episode, and I wanted to refer all of you to his podcast. You're going to hear this interview over there, but also there's five other episodes over there that you cannot hear on Noteworthy that I want you to go check out, and Jonathan actually interviewed me on his podcast, and man, did we dive in. We answered some childhood questions. We walked through a lot of stuff. You've never heard on the show before. So, Jonathan was so gracious and kind to let me release it right here on the Noteworthy Podcast as well. You might need to listen to this one in a couple of drives because it's about an hour and 20 minutes. We dived in, my friends. We dived in. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It's going to be very noteworthy. I'm your host, Nathan French. Let's go.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the sixth episode of Whatever with Jonathan French. I'm joined today with my brother, Nathan French.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Nathan, if you don't know, is host of Noteworthy, an amazing podcast. If you don't follow it and listen to it, you need to do that today. Um, Thank you. So to get into it, um, I wanted to jump back kind of a ways ago and... You know, I prepared all these questions, so Nate's looking at it right now, and, and we're like, wow, yeah, we're going way back.
0: Yeah, we're going to be taking it way back on this episode today, and um, I just want to say before we dive into any questions, thanks so much for having me on the show, on the Whatever Podcast. I'm a big fan. I've listened to every episode everyone so far, and uh, just super excited to be on the show today. Thanks for having me.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Nate. Uh, I... First question here, really not even a question, but more of just a flashback to our childhood. Um, you know, you know, I love the fish, and mm-hmm. uh, it's been a joke in our family that John will stay out and fish until it's dark and you can't see the water and all that stuff. And you know, I, I always attribute that to just our vacation growing up when we would we were like four or five years old, basically the age of of our two boys and um, yeah. Ju- uh, Judah and Jackson I should say because we both have multiple kids Yeah, there's um, so
0: many kids now it's kind of kind of difficult to keep up
1: yeah it's like now we have to start identifying them by name to make sure <laughs> we know who we're talking about right right and so yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other day because I was watching Jackson and Judah playing and it just gave me such flashbacks to being in the the little aluminum boat and watching each other catch fish and like losing our minds if one caught the fish and the other didn't
0: right that that young brother jealousy that classic jealousy of you caught the fish i didn't and just all the emotions that go with
1: that and being so young it, we couldn't really identify it as jealousy it was just like heartbrokenness that mm. like i cannot participate at the same time it's like if we weren't right. catching a fish at the exact same time it was just a nightmare
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And I, and I think the reason, well, let
0: me just go ahead and clear it up for the audience. Jonathan always wins that competition with, uh, with me, Ryan and Jonathan. If the three of us are fishing, Jonathan will catch all the fish. Somehow Ryan and I will be in the same boat with the same bait the same type of fishing pole
1: <laughs> and somehow pole.
0: jonathan will be catching the fish and we will not it's, a, it's, it's a, kind of a lifelong um yeah, burden we've i don't want to
1: say i'm the fish whisperer guys but right. i mean I, I i seem to lure the fish to to my hook yeah. it seems like
0: something fishy is going on Something's
1: fishing is going yeah. on yeah. and as soon as i can figure it out i'll bottle it and i'll make a million bucks on it yes um but you know we were really young when when we were doing that we did that for several years Uh, while we were uh, living in Chicago when our dad, uh, Brother Thomas French, was pastoring a home missions church in Wheaton, Illinois. Um, And then kind of moving quite a bit of years here, then we find ourselves um, moving to Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, while our dad was working at IBC and working at Calvert Tabernacle. And our lives went from this small little world to a very large world, Right. I mean, literally overnight. I mean, we went from a small home missions church to suddenly being a part of a church that ran over 2,000 people. Yeah. And and then it seems like the rest of the podcast is going to take off because we have so much that happens once we move to Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, once you, you know, I mean, we could talk for a long time about growing up in the Chicago area and what it was like to be PKs, but, you know, I was nine. John, I think you were... 11 when we moved to indiana yep and those are kind of crucial years where you're a kid you're about to become a teenager you're going up into that youth group age and so that was a very exciting time kind of a crazy time and there's a lot of stories we could get into but whenever somebody asks me where i grew up um, i usually say i grew up in indianapolis
1: i mean for sure I, i mean i definitely feel like our formidable years were there i mean we both got into music uh, right as we, you know, moved there. It seems like you jumped into playing guitar and taking lessons from our oldest brother Ryan. If y'all didn't know, and maybe a lot of you don't, our brother Ryan was a phenomenal guitar player, still is. He just mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't use that outlet very much these days. But he taught Nathan and I. But Nathan c- continued on with guitar, and now is amazing yeah absolutely and so I wanted some of these questions here are going to be about like when did you think because we were young so when did you think that's what you wanted to do when did you want to learn to play guitar and when did you find that to be your motivation
0: right well first of all let me just say to the listeners before I get into that Jonathan and I are in the coolest environment right oh now. yeah like and I'm eating a muffin so forgive me
1: uh we are some cold brew
0: we're so. at one of our favorite coffee shops in Georgia queen bee coffee in mcdonough and we found this perfect little side room and because this is not a video podcast i'll just tell you we're sitting by a window we've got this really cool wooden table here we've got our coffee our breakfast the leaves are falling by us it's kind of raining it's rainy outside and so we're kind of in our happy place right now
1: and I'm sure yeah. that the people sitting in the courtyard are watching us chat in the microphones mm-hmm. and wondering. They think we're important. They think we're important. They think that we're celebrities or something. So, which if, you hey, know,
0: I hey, guess we'll just allow them to believe that.
1: If you want to think I'm important, you know, go yeah. ahead. I'm not going to stop. I you.
0: mean, we're kind of a big deal, but anyway, no, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm it's kidding. I'm kidding. A no, lot we, going look, on. we look superficial because we have the. Um, Jonathan so graciously got me one of these podcast arms that like hold the microphone, and uh, I'm telling you, I've had a podcast since 2018, and I just got the arm, so I'm feeling.
1: I mean, this it, it'll change your life for the rest of your life, yeah.
0: Nate. It we both have the podcast arm, we both have coffee, and so. Um, which, how, how long do we usually go on this podcast, John?
2: 25, 30 minutes. Okay.
0: So, the problem is, we could probably sit here and talk for like two hours. So, um, and we probably will even after the mics <laughs> go right. off. This will be the longest episode uh, I will yeah, ever The air. longest episode of whatever. Um, but to answer your question, getting into music and kind of what sparked the desire to play guitar, I remember getting a blue Fender Squire. Squire. Yep. When I was nine years old. And it was right when we uh, moved to Indiana. And I usually consider that as ground zero for my passion for guitar. Now, Mm -hmm. I've always had the passion for music, singing. I mean, I don't have any memories of not loving to sing. So the love for music was always there. We have a very musical family. You know, mom and dad are really musical. Which,
1: you know, a lot of people might not even actually know that. That, that dad is was a very good musician mm-hmm. in his younger years. Yes,
0: yeah. Our, really, our entire family is musical, so that was just a love that we had. You know, we grew up listening to music, loving music. It's always been in the culture of our family. And so... Nine years old, though, when I got that guitar, that sparked something in me. So I would say nine years old, had that little um, Fender Squire, that With blue. With the
1: white pit guard on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The white pit guard.
0: And you know what? It really didn't sound bad. It was no. a good, you know, it was a cheap guitar. It's it's The Squire is a big step down from the Stratocaster. Um, but it was just a great guitar, and, and Ryan started... Uh, giving us lessons, right, and kind of just teaching us some of the basics some chords. The first song I ever learned how to play was Amazing Grace, which I think is a great starting point. Amazing John Grace. still knows how to play Amazing Grace Amazing on the Grace. acoustic guitar. And so what I did is I learned how to play acoustic guitar on an electric guitar. That's basically how wow. I started to learn. And uh, I still love it. I'm 31 years old. Um, now, so it's, it's crazy to think that I've been playing that long. I should be so much better than I am. Um, but I love guitar, and it's been a big part of kind of the songwriting journey uh, for my wife, Rachel and I. So we love it. and um, and it's definitely something that sparked a long time ago.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because um when I look back and I think about like what inspired me, uh, you know, after you and you took off with the guitar, because you know I play bass guitar, so I didn't continue with with electric guitar. Um, but I think about what inspired me to learn bass, and it wasn't just to be able to play in a group with you and Ryan. I mean, that was what I wanted to do, but I think it was just the groups that I grew up watching mm-hmm. and ha- how it appealed to me. And so, one of my right. questions here uh, that I want to talk about. Is when you uh, realized you were going to pursue guitar and it was going to be what you were going to stick with. What was uh, what group or groups were your um, your uh, like motivation and like mm-hmm. inspirations yeah. to in yeah. like the genres you wanted to play? Sure.
0: Well, for everybody that's listening, and maybe you've picked up on this podcast and you started listening to Jonathan as a podcast host. You may not know Jonathan's a great. Musician, very accomplished bass player. Um, if you've ever listened to Rachel and I's music, Jonathan has played on um, quite a few of our songs. So maybe you've heard him play bass and you didn't even know it, or you saw him play at um, a conference somewhere. But, um,
1: Which yeah, playing so- for y- on y'all's recordings is always awesome. And if any ex- aspiring musician out there, if you ever get a chance to go record in a studio, it might seem intimidating, but mm-hmm. you need to go do it, yeah. and experience it at some point.
0: Which, by the way, I have to fly to the studio tomorrow, and oh, I'm super yeah. ticked that you're not going. Basically, Jonathan I, got too good to play for us. Oh, yeah, right. After the last couple of songs, he's like, "I just don't have time." You know,
1: my my schedule is just so busy, Nate. I just can't yeah, work that we in. We tried all the to time. get him
0: to play on the last like two or three songs, and he was like, "Well."
1: Let me check my schedule. Let me just see. Let me just see what my busy day
0: looks like for the next three months. uh, So, anyways, but uh, to get back to your question, I loved. um, I loved Third Day growing up. I would say Third Day was probably my favorite band growing up. Now I have to say, and this this might, you know, John may get me for this. My musical style has definitely evolved over the years. So. I could no longer call Third Day my favorite band. Like to this day, okay. Like if I'm in my car, I I could not call Third Day my favorite band as a 31 year old. Well, first of all, they're disbanded. But well,
1: right. So right, so it, it would kind of be a detriment to our spirits if if yeah. they were your which favorite was, band, one thing
0: so. that was really cool for me. Um, a few years ago, I got to interview, um, Mark Lee, their guitar player. Yes. on the podcast. Uh, and, Which I'm
1: still upset that you scheduled that when I was out of town, because yep, I, I would have been sitting there with such awe. Yeah.
0: But when Mark Lee says yes, <laughs> you, you adjust your you, schedule. You and so I just it. had to meet, we met him at like a super ritzy country club, and wow. I interviewed him there. It's kind of embarrassing when I think about it. I only had one microphone, and we like it was it was terrible. That's amazing, but um, he was very kind, and so man, and and don't misunderstand me. Like I still love Third Day, um, but my uh, style has become a lot more singer songwriter, and maybe even a little more gospel, uh, a little twist of gospel as I've artistically grown over the years. And so, uh, as a as a kid. I basically would listen to contemporary Christian music and that was it. Um but as a teenager and an adult I love singer songwriter I love contemporary I love black gospel I love more contemporary gospel. Sure. Um you know I think of guys like James Wilson, Draylen, guys like that. Right. They're not really it's not really black gospel it's more of like a contemporary gospel we've got more contemporary music. yeah well unlike
1: David Jennings it was Mm -hmm. just here for exalt and yeah he definitely falls into that kind of middle ground Mm -hmm, for sure between gospel and CCM
0: so you know as I've grown older as a writer I love anything that has acoustic guitar so there there is one artist though that has for there's two artists that have forever stayed my favorite artist even though stylistically I've changed a little bit and that would be um, I will forever love Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah, doesn't matter how old he gets or, oh, you incredible. know, I just listened to his new album and it sounds like all his other albums. Which I I feel but, horrible
1: to say I'm a fan since I haven't heard his new stuff yet. But yeah, he has I a brand Stephen new
0: album that's really good. But you know, it sounds you know it sounds just like his other albums. He's he's probably a little stuck stylistically. And uh, the other would be Michael W. Smith, like. Mm-hmm. I would go see those two guys in concert anytime. Like if they came in town and I could go, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen them. They're just right. like, they're the OG. They're, they're legends, you know? And so um, those would be artists that are forever my, my favorites and that will just always stay the same. Um, some newer artists, you know, uh, I listen to a lot of apostolic music now. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much good apostolic music out there people like Britney Scott and Eleni Young, Draylon, you know, Draylon Young, you've got James Wilson, guys like that. I end up listening to that music a lot because a lot of times we're having to learn it, you know, sure. to sing it. And so, but I, I love it. I enjoy it. And so it's changed over the years, but I think to, to be a musician, to be a singer or to be an artist, you have to embrace some change to grow, you know? Right. Sure. And so, Um. yeah yeah that's just to to mention a few but probably if I could narrow down if there was one artist that I could just go get coffee with it'd be Stephen Curtis Chapman that's cool yeah Yeah, if I could just go sit down with him this sounds so funny I've literally had like dreams where I was somewhere and Stephen Curtis Chapman was there and it was like hey um you know, I'm playing this show. Are you able to... Because I've been able to meet some people over the years because right. of music, you know? Right, And And, um, but then I've realized that's just a cool dream where I got to meet, like, a childhood hero. But, um, and, you know, you, I've learned nothing's impossible. Like, nothing surprises me anymore, you know? But that would be so cool to sit down and just say, hey, you know, tell me about your musical journey. Like, give me some advice and just have coffee with him. That'd probably be the guy.
1: Well, it's funny because knowing how you know the world that y'all are you and rachel are in with music i wouldn't even be surprised if you called me and told me that you met him somewhere like i wouldn't even be surprised you know if... it,
0: with god i've just learned all things are possible i mean i've been able to you know so many cool things have happened where i'm like you know it's, it's so amazing um in the in the gospel world um I've had, I've had some communications with Eddie James, but I've never met him in person. Mm-hmm. And I know he's really, you know, intrigued by Pentecost right now. Right. So if I could meet a gospel artist, it'd probably be... Eddie James. If I could, if I could meet with Eddie James, um, you know, he's showing up at a lot of apostolic events right now. Wow. So I'd love to talk That'd to be him about cool. that. Yeah. So have anyways, you, I know that's the long sang answer. Have y'all
1: anywhere that he's been at yet? So has he been exposed to any of your music yet?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know if he has or not. Um, you know, we've, we've, um, I've, <laughs> I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a little while now, so we've messaged back and forth a little bit. Wow. But, um.
1: Tell him I say hi.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> you know, anyways, I just think it's cool. You know, all these artists are just people, you know, yeah. they're, they're people with lives and families and you start to learn that over the years, but there's definitely some of those, you know. Legends that yeah. if I were around them, I'd be like, "Wow, that's that's so cool."
1: Yeah, no, I I, under, I agree, mm-hmm. and what's funny is I, I think back to when we've uh, when I first started playing bass, and you had been uh, taking guitar, and you'd been by by the time I was fourteen, fifteen, and started playing bass, you had already been an experienced musician. So I remember sitting in our bedroom that well, we used to share. And, I wouldn't
0: call myself experienced at fourteen, well, but
1: well, sure. <laughs> But at the time, like, I felt like you were leaps and bounds ahead of me, and I remember sitting in um, our bedroom with our little amps and rocking out to like newsboys mm-hmm. the third day, like 10 watt amps.: 10 watt amps sitting there and blasting it, feeling like we were rock stars And you know what, though,
0: when you look back, those are like the special memories. Yeah, I those mean, like foundational moments, those are so special.
1: And I think that is why to this day, I still consider myself uh, a CCM bass player. Like I'm yeah. a very much a contemporary rock. bassist at heart and i and i say that because my favorite bass player in in any band has been uh well there's two so um uh phil joel from newsboys Mm -hmm. and ty anderson from third day yeah when i when i started playing bass those are the two guys i love their style i love their i don't want to say swagger because that sounds kind of carnal, but it, they had a really cool stage presence and they just, they yeah, seemed like a, to. a confidence. Yes, they had yeah. a confidence and they enjoyed what they did so much and you could feel it. Right. And so I wanted to be able to do that. Yeah,
0: I think that's amazing. And, you know, one thing I, I like about your style as well is you you lock into who you are as a musician and you know who you are, but then you also have to challenge yourself, you know, cause you have to play a lot of gospel music yeah, because you're a church musician and right. it's a part of the church world. And so you learn and you grow and you practice, you know, I'll just slip this in here, just <laughs> <This> free, free <laughs> sermon here. When you go to a rehearsal, right? That is not when you learn a song. No, exactly right. The, the definition of rehearsal is that to rehearse something you've already learned,
1: or or even be more narrow-focused here, the, the definition of band rehearsal mm-hmm. is to come together collectively. So, Right. And your so thought. you're
0: always great about when you show up to a rehearsal, even if it's a song you're not 100% comfortable with, you always come prepared. You can always tell you've spent some time. You know, we say that. It's cliche, but spend some time with the song. Yeah. It's a powerful statement. I mean, you've, you know... You've listened to it, you know it, you know where the song is going. Um, and so, anyways, that's just a part of growing as a musician and we, we, we learn how to do it as we go along.
1: Exactly, and and seeing that I never learned to read music, like sight, sight read theory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I learned to play by ear and I was taught to play by ear and sitting down and listening to my favorite groups mm-hmm. and trying to just pick it out, what I have to do um, and I'm sure, I'm sure someone will say this isn't necessarily the right thing, but when I'm given a new song, especially for Exalt, when it's a lot of new music, I, I have to just sit down before I read a chord chart or anything. or li- I, I just sit and I listen to the song mm-hmm. a few times just through it and just try to think about like in my mind where I'm at here on, my, right. on the neck. So I try, if I hear something, I try to think about where that might be on the neck to help me work it out later. And I'm sure there's better ways about it, but that's just the way my mind works with it. And it's fun. I it, it, like you said. I have to stretch myself musically because I'm not a gospel bassist at heart, mm-hmm. but I, I yeah I want to be.
0: Well, learning music can be overwhelming. You know, this um, it, we're recording this in December, in the month of December, between our church and conferences and Christmas programs. I I kind of added up all the songs and. I'll have to have learned, like thirty-five songs. Oh
1: my goodness gracious! In the
0: month of December, and I say learned. Some of them I was already familiar with, but I have to be prepared to teach. Wow. Like over thirty-five songs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Twenty-two of those being one conference. You oh, know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so.
1: Um, but you're going to be in California, right? As Vera and I will be mm-hmm. there, right? So. Yeah, I'll be in.
0: So I'll be in California at the end after Christmas,
1: yeah. After Christmas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, talking about, um, you know, contemporary Christian music and our first, you know, um, endeavors into music, um, I'm sure, you know, we, we both remember Michael White, you know, yeah. our good friend from Indianapolis days. I, I don't really keep in touch with him. I'm on his Facebook page and I see random things he puts up, but I, I don't talk to him very much. But yeah, me either. Our very first band that we were in, any collective music thing we did was with this guy. He was a drummer, so it was Nathan on guitar, myself and our buddy Michael. And we, we learned contemporary Christian stuff, Newsboys Third Day, and we played all kinds of stuff together. Not concerts, but we did stuff for fun just in like our garages and stuff. But um I'm sure you're, you know, the very first song that we played with him, we played at his dad's church. And it was by a group. I don't know if anyone out there listening knows who this is, but they were called PFR, Pray for Rain. They had a song. You, you
0: probably are a little bit older if you know who yeah, PFR Yeah, if you is. know who PFR yeah, but, is, the, you're our The age. Gen Zers will will not know nope. PFR, but the Millennials will probably exactly know. Exactly right.
1: And that song was, it was a big song by them at the time. It was called Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Still a great song, but I think it's kind of. Which is funny. funny
0: to me because. To this day, I still do not know what that song means. I, I have no idea. So yeah, it's...
1: If it wasn't a Christian group, fact, I would probably feel subconscious so singing The fact that we sang
0: it. that in a church service...
1: Which I remember, though. I don't
0: know what the song means. I don't,
1: I don't either. And I remember, though, at the time when his when his dad asked us to play that, because he heard us practicing it and said, oh, that's cool, you should do he that, that like, in church.
0: He was like, play that. And I was like... It, it, uh, we were a little weird about that. You don't want, like a, like, a worship song. I mean, we
1: know some... We know, right. like... It is yeah. you by Newsboys. We could play that. One. And, no, and, no, this song is better.
0: Right, like at least that was an actual worship song at the time. It is you, you know. But like, um, like if you go look up this song, Amsterdam by by PFR, the 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 message is like it. Whoever wrote it, it's just some personal experience that it, there's it there's no them. there's no telling like the, the song doesn't have any real meaning, which is kind of a you know, as a songwriter, you know, yeah. as a songwriter now, I would never, I would never do that song. Really, probably anywhere unless it was just a concert. You right. know, I mean, so.
1: And I was getting ready for this podcast. I was, I listened to it not too long ago, and to to your point, I I don't know what he's trying to say. So it, it was definitely hilarious that that was one of our first uh, public performances as musicians together. And then shortly after that, um, the music director for the youth group at the time, uh, Ben Vandiver, had us play in the youth group, in Youth World. And then that, like, launched everything. Um, Yeah. So shortly after that, I had one of my worst musician experiences that I still... I still remember very vividly mm. and so i'm going to ask you about yours in a second but let me share so nathan nathan was there so he he knows what i'm talking about oh man i had i was i had my first public uh, performance in our church at calvary and our youth group in youth world and we played with michael as a group the three of us and then i started playing for for the the youth class and then the youth choir was asked to sing they sang like once a month or something like that and being a bass player for youth group they said well you're going to play for the youth choir and we were learning it is you by newsboys and i i knew the song see i knew the song but when i got up to play in the youth practice in front of everybody and in front of (sighs) all the other musicians i froze and ben vandiver came up to me (laughs) and Showed me the notes on the bass and said this, 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 and took the bass in his hand and like fretted each note for me, and and the whole youth group watched that. Mm-hmm. That was when I said I will never come to a practice. shorthanded. yeah, I will never do it again.
0: Which here is the thing though, I was there, <laughs> I watched it all go down, and yeah. I was like, oh lord of heaven, um,
1: I think you were playing guitar for it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean. It, and so keep in mind, first of all, you had a music minister who was not concerned about people's feelings, right? L- that was kind of none the first at problem. at all. And that's a part of the music world. I mean, you have to have thick skin. You really do. Because, yep. I mean, you, you never know who you're going to work with. <laughs> right, But the thing that blew my mind about that was, which it shows like the, the, the scarring is like the fact that we're even talking about it right now yeah. shows that it was such a crazy moment. I'm going to be
1: 30. I'm going to be 34. And yeah. I was like, you 15, still wake up in the night. Like when this happens, it is you yeah.
0: don't know this. Song. <laughs> I have recurring <laughs> like nightmares <twitching>. about this. <laughs> oh man. But, and honestly I was there. It was probably way worse in your mind than what it actually was. Right. And
1: I'm sure you're right. I'm like, sure, I'm cause it sure.
0: really wasn't, like, I guarantee you there's not a person there that would remember that. Yeah. Except maybe me and you. And I only remember it because I'm your brother, right?
1: Right. And we talked about it afterwards. Right. For, but in, there's in not detail. a person in the world who'd be like, do you
0: remember that practice where he showed you the notes on the bass? Oh. But the thing was is that you knew that song. So it, it wasn't that you showed up unprepared. Yes. You just, you know, you didn't, you know. I, has, you
1: I had an extreme kind of, stage fright.
0: There was a anxiety, big church, things like that. And listen, if you play music long enough, embarrassing things will happen. There's just no way. Hopefully it's rare, you know, for some people it's common. You know, hopefully it's rare, the embarrassing moments are rare, but they will happen. There's no way you can escape it. I mean, I I've I've forgotten lyrics um like we did glorious day last year and we got to the bridge and i was like i needed rescue na 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 like literally in it. the mic i went na 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 <laughs> and i was I, like i absolutely love it i was it, like i i completely blanked on the lyrics and and i'm and i was 30 years old when that happened so wow. you know it just you just have to you know sometimes god will humble us to to, to just keep us grounded you know and that happens well
1: and it's one of the, these things where it's like if you never experience anything mm-hmm. bad you don't really learn mm-hmm. so experiencing those negatives helps you yeah uh, tremendously mm-hmm. it, it might not feel like it but eventually it will help you so mm-hmm. musician wise as a guitar player you know now you do a lot more singing and worship leading but when you were like, okay like we haven't got here quite yet, but when you were playing a lot in California, what was your, if any, like actually embarrassing moment as a musician that you recall off the top of your head?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's one moment that always sticks out to me that I, I wouldn't call it an embarrassing moment in front of people, but I had a, um, you know, you and I grew up as um, church musicians that learned to play by ear. And so, um, the dynamics of that is that, to be honest, you don't always know what you're doing. Like you have, you have the talent to do it, but you can't always explain what you're doing. And so a lot of what I learned about like music technicality and chords and numbers, things like that, I actually learned later on in life when I started leading worship and Working, You know, I realized I had to be able to teach. Sometimes I had to be able to work with musicians and not just singers, you know. And you can't always just show somebody how to do it. Sometimes you have to be able to tell them how to do it, right? Right. So that's an ongoing process for me. But um, one moment I remember, at, I was like nine years old, and we played, um, we played a song we had written at Music Fest. Oh, yeah. And it went really well. Which, keep in mind, like 9, 11 years old, playing in front of like 2,000 people, that's that's kind of a... It was a big deal. Yeah,
1: Music Fest would have been packed with the balcony and everything. And it
0: went great. And that that uh, song was capoed like 100 frets up, <laughs> right? Because we sang so high, because we were yep, little kids. we were little kids. And so... Choir boy voices. I remember a guitar player came up to me afterwards, and he said, that song was beautiful. He said what key was that in? Right. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it hit me that I didn't know what key it was in. Sure. And I remember being really embarrassed in that moment that I had written a song and I didn't know what key it was in. Right. So that was just something that kind of, you, you, you talk about how you had something that challenged you to always come prepared That was a moment at nine, like 10 years old where I felt challenged, like I need to go into these things with answers like that, right? Sure, yeah. So I need to think through that. The reason I didn't know the key was because I couldn't think through in that moment what key was I playing in and what capo, what fret was the capo on, right? Sure. Which completely changes the key. Right. And so... But I remember that embarrassing me like, I should have known that. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I think God allows us, not to spiritualize it, but I think sometimes God allows us to go through things to better us. You know, you go through something that embarrasses you, right? but you're better for it. And then you, you know, you walk into that next meeting prepared and and better for it. So embarrassing things happen. You can't take yourself too seriously. You gotta laugh at yourself, right? right? Gotta laugh at yourself. You gotta have fun. Those things are a good reminder that none of that is none of this is about us, right? It's about it's about the Lord and about giving Him glory. And so sometimes, if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. So it's better to just humble ourselves
1: exactly right. And have a good You. It can be very very hard. Yeah,
0: I would much rather be humbled by my lack of ability. Than by God Sure So you know that Rather than being humbled By overconfidence In my ability Right So you know If you have to pick That's that's the way to go
1: And are, are we talking about um, When we play Our God is One And the sound went out Or was this a different song You're you're Well
0: you're No about? the Yeah that was a whole different thing That's There's another a different, story Okay So we We sang it uh, One time And the The sound did go out mm-hmm. But we just kept singing. Cause that's, yes. that's, um, that's worship leading one-on-one. You yeah. never just stop, you know, you just keep going.
1: And I remember people being shocked that we didn't just stop.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because we were so embarrassed by that. And that was probably one of the most complimentary services I had ever walked out of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. here you were 10 years old and you just kept going, you know, right. Like there are, there are people much older than you that would have froze you know
1: and waited for it to come back mm-hmm. on and then yeah,
0: but when you're a church kid, you know you're you're not performance driven right, so you just you you're thinking about the service not not the song in its in itself, you know you're thinking sure. about the entirety of the service, so I think we were just raised you know to to know that you know you exactly. keep going,
1: yeah, one of those untangible things that was mm-hmm. just in our head,
0: yeah, I mean that just goes to our upbringing being raised in church you never just stop a service unless god does you know if god right. wants to stop a service then you let it happen exactly but, but people keep rolling
1: exactly well so here we're you know we're talking about being pretty young here but we're gonna jump up a little bit here because when we um we were in in Annapolis for like seven or eight years um i believe and then we've we made a family move to Elk Grove, California, and we attended the rock church, uh, pastored by brother miles young. And for me, it's is this is weird because I feel like myself as a musician, I started finding myself when I moved to California as mm-hmm. a musician, even though all my inspirations and favorite artists and groups have always kind of stayed the same. I, I kind of came into being a musician. Um, when we moved to California and, I wanted to ask you, because on one of my other podcasts, I was talking about um, elements of the move that were odd to me in, inside, because one minute I was very upset mm-hmm. and emotionally disturbed by moving and leaving all our friends and everything, but right. then also feeling an element of like adventure and somewhat of excitement yeah. of what might lie ahead. Yeah How, how was that for you? I mean, because you know we, we traveled together, moving, mm-hmm. and uh, we spent hours, days in a car moving and I and I, I don't re- really remember us really talking about how we felt mm-hmm. about it
0: yeah well to be I I'm trying to remember you know you're 33 I'm 31 now so the, sometimes yeah. the timelines get a little blurred but if I remember right I was like 16 17 yeah I, think I was 17. about 18
1: I was finishing my senior so year so we of high were school. like right
0: around 17 I yeah. we were like 16 and 18 something like that yeah and moving from um you know the north to you know
1: the west west yeah and so completely different world FY, if you've never experienced it it's a completely different yeah it really
0: is and and it wasn't a long season we lived in california for a couple of years it was the shortest season yeah really of any any season in my life of living somewhere and you know we've been in georgia 12 years now i can't believe
1: it honestly
0: so georgia's home you know so you think about All this, but we ministry did move us around a lot. As kids, it's just one of the one of the sacrifices you make, you know, in ministry. Some for some families, you know, some families ministry they're just they've never moved; they've always been somewhere. For us, that wasn't the case because Dad was a teacher and an instructor, and it it caused him to have to go to different places a lot. But um, for me, that was a very difficult season. You know, Mom had just been diagnosed with. Cancer. Shortly,
1: yeah. Shortly after, we right made, after yeah.
0: we moved there, and and um, you and I have always really loved um, what friends are to us. You know, you and I right. have have always been very close, had very close friends. You know, um, a lot of times, close friends with the same people. You know, we have right. the same, a lot of the same childhood friends. You know. So moving away from from our friends was tough. You very know, we had grown up from kids to teenagers. It's a very important time in your life. It's a very developmental time. You know, psychologically. You know, it's right. everything about who you are. There's scientists will tell you, like our psychologists will tell you that that time is super important with you know your thinking and your thought process. And so that was a tough time, but. Once we got out there, um, even though it was a, a short lived season, it was only a couple of years. Um, I, it was a season of growth. Sure. For sure. It, it challenged us. It pushed us. Um, and that was the first time I know we've talked about music a lot in this podcast and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but you know, getting out there, <laughs> um, um, really pushed me musically. I mean, sure. we started to that was the first time in my life I remember playing with musicians that were like way way more advanced than 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 myself. Yeah. I mean, way, I mean, way out of my league. And I think that's a that's a great thing, yes. you know. You want to surround yourself people people often ask uh Rachel and I like when when you record or you release a song, it, you know, there's there's, um, there's a level of excellence in the quality of it. And they're like, how do you do that? And my answer is always, I surround myself with people that have talents that I don't have, right? Right. And so you have to know your weaknesses if you're gonna grow in your strengths, right? And so there was a season of growth for me and it was also um, when I accepted my call to preach right so I had felt a call to preach when I was younger you know I, I felt it mm-hmm. I remember watching brother Mooney preach and I felt a call to preach wow like I as he was preaching God would speak to me and say one day you'll listen think about this because you'll have to know this one day wow and um and uh but when I got to California that's when I said okay God I'll I'll do what you want to do. I told our youth pastor um, at the time, Brother Johannes, and uh, yes, yeah. And uh, I told him that I told Dad, you know, and I told I told our father, and I told my youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I could give somebody advice, I think that's a good route to take. If you feel a call, talk to your, you know, you know. For me, my dad is also a spiritual mentor in my life, right? Right. And he grew up as my pastor as a kid. So and then my youth pastor was my direct, you know, kind of uh hands-on ministry that was investing into us, right? So I yeah, talked that to him. Yeah, I could speak
1: to where you are at right. that age.
0: And so I don't I don't know if you remember this, but that was actually my first time ever preaching was in yeah, California. Yeah, I do remember that. So and and I by preaching I mean probably completely <laughs> A mess, a jumbled mess with some, but. See, but, and,
1: I, and I remember that different. I remember being like, thinking, like, wow, you did so much better than I thought you would do, just because I knew you were nervous. <laughs> that's, that's, so. that's kind.
0: And I told God, I said, um, I said, if you'll anoint me, and I've told this story before, but um, not on this podcast, I haven't. So I said, God, if you'll anoint me, I'll preach for you the rest of my life. Right. If you don't, I'll never preach again. Right. That's what I told And I didn't say, if I do good, I'll preach to you. I just said, if I feel your anointing on me, right? Right. Because I didn't do good. <laughs> but I, fe- I did feel the anointing, right? right? I felt that on me. And so for me, that was like a really important time. And that's when I started seeing God, like, you know, really push me out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone was always behind the guitar. Yeah. And so God started pushing me and then... I didn't know what the future would hold, but I could I can see now what he was kind of trying to prepare me for.
2: Sure,
1: and you know I know we're getting a little bit ahead of some of the, these questions, so we're going to be able to narrow some of these uh, this conversation here at the end. John's um, organized, but, and I'm all over the place. But, um, so it's, that's my fault. I, I'm having a hard time remembering if you if that first message in the youth group there was while we were in our group in California or after it had kind of dissolved I want to say maybe it was right in the midst of it I think it was I think
0: it was in the middle of all of it yeah right so yeah it, give, it didn't keep me from doing the other things I sure. just accepted the call and sure. started to preach a little bit
1: so I mean uh to kind of give y'all a context of what we're trying of what, what what we're saying when we when we moved we we didn't know anyone yet and we, we started making friends over over some time, and we started playing in the youth group there. It was almost like the exact same story in our youth group, in, in Indianapolis. We, people were like, oh y'all are musicians. We'd love to have you participate in the in the youth music. So we did. And then um, our buddies at the time, uh, uh, David and Kyle Gazande. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry. David Jones, uh, Clayton Wyatt. Uh, Devin Gazande and Kyle DeGazande, we, and Nathan and I, we were in this, we were in this group called Neiman Avenue and we actually did play some concerts yeah. and we- had, Which that
0: was the name of the, the street the church yes. was on. So that's, you know, we were like,
1: we're a church band. We are so you cool. Know. And like, we had all these- that, I
0: would say that was our first band.
1: Yeah, it, it really was.
0: First and only band for me. Yeah, That's right. the only time I was in a band- like a legit band that
1: that actually we raised money to record we -hmm. raised money for equipment we travel yeah that was my
0: first experience ever yeah you know learning about recording music and
1: yep i mean i remember sitting in that garage with that dude Mm -hmm. recording uh uh uh, mysterious maker we were your typical
0: like broke band you know raising money to do concerts and and trying to, to scrape up enough money to pay some creepy dude in his garage if we could record. But, you know, those are great. I those mean, are great. Me- those great are foundational stories. memories, you know.
1: I remember, I don't, I don't know why this is always stuck in my head so much, but I remember sitting in that garage trying to record the bass track mm-hmm. and we came up with that little riff that I, that do do And mm-hmm. I remember at the time thinking I was so, so cool for playing that. And <laughs> looking back on it, I'm like, my goodness, I can't believe I was so hyped about that. Yeah. but for me,
0: and you know that song, like that we recorded, has major potential. Like it it's would have, it song. would have to be rewritten. I think right. But I have, I have seriously considered revisiting the song because it's amazing. It was called "Mysterious Maker," and it was, it was a great. I mean, it was a good song. It wasn't. I mean, these were talented guys. Yeah, right? they were so, very good. You know I was I was proud of the music and we were we were all perfectionists so you know when you were talking about us being kids that's a little more on the embarrassing side of music right right I think at this point we were all proud we were of what adults. we were doing I mean, we were basically young but we were just we were growing we were learning stylistically you know things like that but yeah that was um that was all kind of in the middle of that and uh yeah, that was that was kind of a life changing couple of years for me and and especially for you. I mean, you met your wife out there in California, yes, Vera. And now y'all have you know two kids and a third on the third way. On the way. And
1: Kinsley's almost nine, Jackson's almost five. You've
0: been married for like
1: well, this is going into uh, next year,
2: fourteenth year.
0: Oh yeah, so we just celebrated thirteen. So yeah, see, God knew. God has a way of. Of he can he can see things that we can't see and in these seasonal moments in our life he does permanent things
2: right ooh that'll preach yeah, but exactly. in a
0: in a season he'll set you up for something that's that's permanent you know and right. so out of that season you and I both had lifelong things you know come out of that
1: exactly right mm-hmm. you know i mean uh it's it's weird because i f- i feel like there's this inner uh conflict I have where like Indianapolis was my formidable years but California t- steered the rest of my life mm-hmm. and I have such a deep tie to both that I just I just kind of ball it up into right. one thing yeah because um, I mean I'm still in touch with several of the guys from Indy I mean David Cole Bobby Skillman yeah oh, Devin yeah. Cunningham like I mean I these guys are you know always going to be my, our friends and we grew up with them so
0: yeah devin will be here on friday devin <laughs> he's doing our christmas program and if
1: devin if you're listening i love you and we're with, we're going to have you on the podcast maybe you me and nate will get on together and just laugh up about it yeah and devin days.
0: if you're listening we have to cancel you this weekend um, so don't even come no, devin
1: <laughs> if you're listening everything i said i didn't mean <laughs> Oh my word. But Devin, you've never had me on your podcast. So, so if
0: he doesn't text you, we'll know he yeah. doesn't listen. Yeah. Even if he says he listens, we know he yeah. doesn't.
1: Yeah. So if, because if he hears this, he'll know I gave him, we gave yeah. him a direct shout out and he ignored it. So, but uh, kind of jumping back here a little bit, I'll, I'll never forget. And I'm, because this was such a cool moment as a musician when we got to go play in Minden, Nevada, it yeah. yeah, open for Jimmy Carter. Or not Jimmy Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jimmy Carter, <laughs> not Jimmy Carter, guys. Jimmy
0: Carter. Oh, uh, um, uh, um,
1: what was it? Oh my! He's a guitar, the guitar player. player. Yes. Oh my goodness Oh my gracious. word! What's his it's name? It's Carter, right?
0: La- Larry Carter. Larry Carter. <laughs> Larry Carter. At <laughs> yeah. least I had the last yeah, name the, right. Yeah. He's he still he he still travels yeah? full time. Yeah.
1: I I that concert was the funnest thing, and there's still you can find. I sent you the video. I found it on Facebook. There's a clip of us and the very first song we played at that show back when it was filmed on people's like very first iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. And wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that was a legitimate concert. You know, it took a lot of preparation, and we had to travel. You know, we did the whole.
1: We stayed in a hotel together. Band, yeah. Our our families came. Like our, I think our folks came, and all the guys, all their parents came because they wanted to see us. You know, perform, and it's right in the middle of the town square under this gazebo. And remember, we got there with like really primitive sound equipment, (laughs) you know, because we that we hadn't experienced that before. And that guy showed up and donated. A bunch of equipment and brought it up and set it up so we could actually have a concert
0: i forgot about that yeah remember the
1: guy in the trailer he's like what are y'all doing we said well, we're getting ready to practice we're having a practice because tomorrow we're having a concert he's like where's y'all sound equipment we're like well we have amps he's like no so he owned a sound store locally and he brought a whole trailer mm. like a box truck trailer yeah. full of equipment and sound boards and wow. set it up for us for free
0: wow i forgot about that
1: we went to the Mexican restaurant, and we talked about it, and we're like, man, this was a God thing. We're supposed to be here. We're supposed to Oh, play. yeah,
0: yeah. We felt like, oh. I, Remember that? Yeah, that's jogging it for me now. Yeah, yeah. we were like, God brought us here. This is, this, we're in the will of And the he Lord. did. I mean, we had a great move of God, and
1: and uh, it was amazing. So I think this is the next few questions are going to be, well, you know, before we go into to that, Nate, let, let me go into a segment that I'm trying to implement called the complaint segment. Oh, nice. So we're going to shift gears and it's completely off topic, but it's okay. Because um, this podcast is about whatever. So we get to talk about whatever we want.
0: Whatever. Mm-hmm. So
1: in the, in the whatever complaint segment today, I'm, you know, I know you heard on one of my other sh- uh, episodes where I talk about Starbucks and the environment and how it's changed. And you and I talk about this a lot. And I want to get your thoughts on this. So why do you think... Starbucks, at least here in Georgia, has gone through such a a shift in the atmospheres that they have created for for the you know you know people sitting in there now and right. like the you know the climate is definitely not the same anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, let me explain to the listeners a little more about the complaint that yeah, you and yeah, I. So here, yeah, I'll let you could, rant here. So yeah, just yeah, rant so on about it. So. Um, the, the complaint. So Jonathan and I both love coffee shops, right? And so we also both enjoy Starbucks. It's not our favorite. We prefer like a local coffee shop, but we enjoy a Starbucks and they're easy to find. Right. And so, um, Jonathan and I both like to work in an atmosphere like that. Like you're right. Like you grab a laptop, you're trying to, respond to emails or get ready to whatever. For me, I'm I'll get ready to teach youth class or John's working from, you know, on his job. He's whatever. We're working in the coffee shop. Well, nowadays, um Starbucks will play music so loud that you you can't even think straight. And it's not like loud jazz coffee shop music it's like loud like pop music rap music and it's like it's just not coffee shops have really shifted in our area whereas in for me you know we're in this coffee shop right now and it's quiet um and i love that because I'm, a lot of times if i'm sitting in a coffee shop i'm trying to get work done or i'm trying to you know let my mind rest for a minute and prepare right. for the day and so um I even love, like, coffee shop music, like jazz music. I'm all for that. I love, which I don't know if you know, I've gotten to the point where I listen to jazz, like, almost every day. That's amazing. Because it's relaxing. Um, On the Alexa uh, speaker, you can say, Alexa, play jazz music, right? Right. And it'll just play, like, instrumental, relaxing, you know, upright bass, piano, guitar, you know? Right. And so I can work in in an environment like that, but lately... It's gotten to the point where if I need to meet somebody to have like a, an important conversation or if I need to get real work done, I can't do it at Starbucks no. because it's so the atmosphere is so different now. It's so distracting that my complaint would be, can coffee shops please play coffee shop music again? Right. And not yeah. like loud, abrupt music.
1: Well, I remember just a few years ago, it seems. I mean, recently, where they they had their Starbucks playlist that you could actually go download and from the app, and, mm-hmm. and it showed you all the music they that they would play, and it was all what you're describing. It was, or at least it was, it was
0: like singer songwriter. Like it was, if there were vocals, it was like an acoustic guitar or a right. piano, and
1: there wasn't vulgar language in it. Nowadays, like, it's like pum, 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 we pum, were. Pum, pum, I mean, what was it like? Pum, pum, like few bass days? drops and everything. Yeah, like I think Monday. We were in Starbucks or just a week or so ago, and we're sitting there, and they the the lyric came on talking about how suicidal he was, you know, over yeah, and over and over terrible. again. Terrible. And, and like and I'm it, disturbed
0: by these lyrics being in sung in over my Christmas life. The Christmas
1: season, and they they can't they won't even play the Christmas music too mm-hmm. loud. It's it's yeah. the type of music as well. It's yeah. It's kind of vulgar. And the other day, I'm you're gonna think I'm lying, people listening, but they the song they had playing, they were saying. I'm, only, I'm not going to try the but it was very, very horrible language. Mm. Just straight up swear words over and over and over Go again. ahead. Repeat it all here on the uh, podcast. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. No. Mm. It was bad. And, um, I, you know, that's why, you know, Nate and I Whatever uh, podcast, not appropriate for all ages. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Disclosure. <laughs> Take your small children and plug <laughs> their ears. So we, uh, Nathan and I decided, you know, we can't, you know, trying to meet to do these podcasts, we can't do it at Starbucks. You know, It's too crowded. But so we came to Queen Bee, which is one of my favorite places on earth right now. I mean, we're sitting in, like Nathan said at the beginning, we're in this really cool environment. It's quiet. And I mean, we can breathe in here. And so we need to give this place all our business because we need these places to stick around.
0: Exactly. So today we're here at a local coffee shop. Um, It's, it's, this is like, okay, so my one critique, since we're on the complaint section, which I try not to be a complainer in mm. life, but I'll take my liberty since this is the complaint. Section. This
1: is where we're gonna get all of our frustrations out.
0: Yes. So right now I'm at like the perfect coffee shop, except the coffee.
1: Okay. All like
0: right. the uh, the ambiance is perfect. Yep. But the coffee could be better, right? Sure. So a lot of times, <laughs> you know, you're. Ch- I want to find. There's there's one coffee shop. It's in Griffin, mm-hmm. and it's the perfect ambiance. And the perfect cup of coffee. Okay, it's called Safe House Coffee. Oh, okay. And um, they always, you know, now here's something cool that they do that's unique. Since we're nerding out right now, the lower level plays jazz music. Okay. The upper level doesn't play music.
1: Okay. So
0: the like customer at all. So yeah. like no music at all. So the customer can pick what they want, which I think is so neat. Wow. Right. Like for me, if I'm not recording a podcast, I like some jazz music. Yeah. But let's say you and I met there to record a show, right? We would want to go upstairs today, right. right? So to me, that's um, that's a cool. Maybe coffee shops could should consider, right? Mm-hmm. Just like restaurants used to have like smoking non-smoking areas right. or they do was, you know I think restaurants are basically all non-smoking now but pretty much when we were growing up there would be like a section where <laughs> people yeah. were allowed to smoke right like maybe um, maybe coffee shops could consider like this is our quiet corner right, right. this is um, for
1: professionals and like yeah, folks like, that need to focus this is for y'all that wanna
0: yeah like if you're recording today or, or if you you know if you need a space where there's no music we we have that right sure but, if you want some coffee shop music or you're just trying to study and you want the background noise, our upper level offers that right wow. like that would be so cool That'd be to be amazing me. so Safe House has got that figured out and um now, Queen Bee is cool because they have um they have the courtyard in the middle, which is great for kids, right We have yep. little kids, so that's a great place for them to play. Judah and Ezra like to go up there and sing to everybody yep. and and then they have the actual coffee shop, and then they have the side room, which we're in right now. So, they kind of offer a little bit for everybody. My only complaint is their coffee is not my favorite. This is good coffee. And
1: that's the caramel macchiato that you got, yeah. right? It's good.
0: It's good. Mm-hmm. It's just not like. Is it wow. better than
1: Starbucks? You like it? Better I would than Starbucks? say. I
0: would say Starbucks is better coffee. Okay. But the ambiance is so terrible now.
1: Right, so it's one of these things where you you have to basically be willing to have a trade off. So, right. and I, for me, I, I think you agree. I I, I think this is the trade off that we can accept. Mm-hmm. You know, because
0: so I'm your title should be, Starbucks is too loud. Yep. somewhere in your title. Yep. Starbucks is too loud.
1: Starbucks is too loud. I mean, just think about that. Yeah, Starbucks <laughs> is too loud. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I I cannot stand like okay. I used to be able to take a phone call in Starbucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I mean, you called me yesterday.
2: Bro, it sounded you like said, you were in a club. you I
1: cannot hear you.
0: Like, I thought you were clubbing. I, I, about, I, I about brought my Bible and gave you a Bible stamp.
1: And I had my AirPods on with noise cancellation on. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do anything.
0: Y'all, for the listeners, I call Jonathan, right? Which is not unusual. Call Jonathan. He answers the phone. It's like, bum, 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 Yeah, it sounded like, like I was straight you up clubbing at? it. Are you at a club? He's like... No, <laughs> he's well, like uh, no. I'm at Starbucks. Well, I'm and like, to Are make matters me?
1: worse, you know, all the music has like vulgar language in it, which doesn't help <laughs> add to I can't that. Can't take
0: my kids into Starbucks anymore. No, like
1: the other, I, I had uh, Kinsley and Jackson in there with me after school, and they had a very raunchy word mm. playing over and over and over. Oh and my. I, I, I was so I was I almost got I almost did oh a mom my. and got up and said, "Can y'all change this garbage right now?" Yeah, I almost did it,
0: which is hard because. I feel like you and I try to be a witness to, like, all the baristas there, right? Right. And they they all know us. A lot of them know us by name. And so, you know what I mean? You're just, you know, showing the love of God is more important than our personal opinion there, I think, is what it boils down to. Because there's been a few times where I was like, can we please turn this down? But I won't do that because nobody's forcing me to sit in there, right?
2: Right. Yeah. I I mean, we
0: can get up and I go can, and sit outside. I can get up and I can leave. So I sure. don't. I don't really have a right. I'm not saying I should be able to control it. I'm just saying coffee shops should consider this for it their should. customers yep. because we would be at Starbucks probably today. Yeah. Like but this it, is much better. I'm like glad if, we're here.
1: If they had like a section like like you talking about Safe House Coffee, if like one little nook just didn't have any speakers at all mm-hmm. and just let the music kind of be off on the side. And you could sit over there.
0: Yeah. it's cool. You walk in. It's like real quiet, and then That's you amazing. go up a little spiral staircase. There's like a raw wood floor with exposed brick wow. and some Edison bulbs. That, you, like, you could shoot a music video up there. And kind of, kind of sounds
1: up. like this right here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love this place. But yeah, that is, um, in my opinion. That is my complaint and yeah. my solution for the coffee shop lovers out there.
1: And I know that you've told me that you don't experience this when you leave Georgia, like when you were just out of state and you right. were like,
0: it's not uncommon for me, Rachel and I travel quite a bit. I get to see a lot of other states and cities and I'm almost all, if I'm there for more than a day, I'm going to see a coffee shop at some point. Right. Right. Rachel and I like to find a local coffee shop but uh, you know a lot of cities don't have ones but right. they'll have a Starbucks. So I'll go to a Starbucks and I'll sit down to you know we travel with our kids a lot so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to study in the hotel. Sure. So Rachel will you know she'll keep the kids and I'll go out and try to get ready for the service the next day, you know. And um I'll go into a Starbucks out of state and it's like peaceful. Wow. They'll have like coffee shop music almost every time I'm out of state. Wow. Georgia is the only city I've been in that is like blaring music in their coffee shops. Right. And I don't understand
1: that. I don't get it either. I don't know what's going on but.
0: So y'all pray for Georgia. Pray yeah. for our coffee shops and if you're in the area. Pray for revival. Support uh, Queen Bee Coffee and Safe House Coffee Roasters um, which fun fact it's called Safe House. Because it used to be a fire station.
2: Oh, very cool. So
0: the um the area where the spiral staircase is at used mm-hmm. to be like the fireman's like pole the that they would slide thing. down. Okay,
1: that's cool. Oh, I did not know that. And
0: then when they relocated the fire station, the guy bought it and turned it into a coffee shop. That's amazing. So see,
1: I, I need. I haven't been. F- find I want a place go. with a go. good
0: story. Yep. And go support it.
1: Amen. Wow. Well. I appreciate that. You know, uh, you know, we'll um, we'll probably do more podcasts together, and uh, so we need to go up there next time because I, I haven't been there yet. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we should we should record our next episode there.
1: And then sure. we can go in there and let them think that we're important yeah. over there.
0: However, the room we're in right now is literally perfect. It's amazing. So I can't it is, complain.
1: It's, it's incredible. Um, all right, y'all. So. We're going to get back into some questions here. How much time some are we at right
0: now? What are we looking
1: at? We're at one hour right now. <laughs> 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 and and oh, I'm serious. i I will try to move through the rest of these questions oh, a little word. quicker, even though it might be a little hard. Because when these we started, are little, you
0: said like about 30 minutes.
2: Hmm.
1: But at the I same time, I don't typically get to have conversations. So I just, you know, so it's, I, no. I, I figured we'd probably be a little bit longer. We'll, we'll shoot then.
0: for an hour 15. Yeah, you know, We'll give them hope.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll shoot for an hour fifteen. All right. So Charlie, you jump on track here. So musicians come. We, <laughs> we, um, yeah. Lord, you where's know, my organ player? Yeah, right? we get the organ up here. Get ready. So you know, uh, we've already mentioned that we grew up PKs, but I'd like to, um, and and you know, you said that you felt a call to you know the ministry, you know, in California when you were younger. Um, but I've often I don't think I've really ever asked you this, but did you ever? battle feeling called to preach because maybe there Mm -hmm. or did you ever feel that there was an expectation on you? Like because our you know, our brother Ryan, our oldest brother, who's Mm -hmm. eight years older than you, six years older than me, he went to Bible school and by the time we moved to California he was um he was the associate pastor, assistant pastor in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So was there ever a time when you were dealing with that call that you ever maybe felt like some of it was an expectation? Yeah, on you to preach. And maybe yeah. th- did you battle that at all?
0: Well, I'll, let me answer that in two segments here. The first, uh, well, first of all, I never felt any pressure from uh, from our dad. Sure. So that never came from him. Right. He was always, dad, mom and dad were very much like, you know, I remember mom being like, if you're a doctor, I'll be proud of you. If you're a lawyer, you know, if you, you know. And they were very much like, you know, whatever you were going to do, just live for the Lord.
1: And just don't sin and do bad things. Right.
0: Just, (laughs) just live for God. Right. Right. And that, you know, our home was always, it was a ministry home, but there was never pressure. Like, like we believe that everybody serves to minister, right? Like we all feel a call to minister to other people. Sure. So, um, I think mom and dad felt like uh, if you're a, you know, a a realtor or a a pharmacist or a lawyer, right? You can live for God and make a kingdom impact, right? Right. And so, I never felt that from them. There was definitely um, a lot of comments growing up, though, especially at IBC. You know, are you going to be a preacher like your dad, you right. know? Right. And um, I hated that because yeah. to me, the call to preach is such a sacred thing. And I think it is a call, right? right. Like God it's not, calls. It's
1: not just a desire. It's right.
0: Like God calls everybody to the kingdom and to work for him. He doesn't call everybody to preach. Right. He does call everybody, I think, to reach the lost and to teach Bible studies. Like mm-hmm. I think everybody should do that. Not just preachers. Right. Um, you know, like people should be reaching the lost whether they are a preacher or not. And that's just the little soapbox. But sure. Um I hated that because I I never was gonna accept a call to preach because of my heritage, even though it was a beautiful heritage. And um you know, that heritage didn't come from, you know, grandpa wasn't a preacher, you know. So it's, it, it really, you know, our, our mom's mom and dad was not a teacher. My dad's mom and dad was not, a, was not a preacher, right? Right. So it wasn't like this. One lineage. thing you have to remember is there yeah. wasn't this big lineage of preachers. Right. Our dad, our father, Talmadge French, kind of...
1: Broke the mold on that.
0: Changed, you know, yeah. he was the, you know, that, that call on his life was so great. It kind of forever changed the trajectory of our family. Right. And so we were raised in truth. You know, our dad raised us in truth because he broke the mold. He right. broke the cycle. You know, mom right. was raised in truth, but dad wasn't. Right. So, um, I never felt that, that pressure. It would frustrate me, but I was never going to accept something because some student made a, a comment or something about how I should be a preacher, you right. know? um, I didn't, matter of fact, when people would ask me if I was going to be a preacher, I would say no. Sure. I'd say no, I'm well, not. Well, because
1: the idea of <laughs> becoming a preacher almost sounds like it's solely based off a choice that you want to make. Mm-hmm. And and so kind of going into another question that kind of flows here, do you think there is uh, just unfair expectations on PKs that put pressure on them that cause the PKs mm-hmm. to feel bitter at the ministry? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we see, I mean, you and I know PKs that have backslid yeah. and had a lot, a lot of problems and maybe never come back or it took years to come back. And right do, do you, not that it's right at all, but do you think that they face um, unfair expectations on their futures to where they feel boxed into yeah. either accepting this or yeah. kind of being labeled a failure?
0: Yeah, I I think it'd be unfair for me to say no, because sure. the answer is, is yes. Right. There, there and is, I think you
1: both and I can say yeah. 100% yes yeah. to there is. It,
0: it wouldn't be on it. There, there is an unfair expectation on PKs. First of all, preacher's kids are human, and they're right. going to make mistakes. Right? Yeah. And they're not perfect and just because mm-hmm. their
2: dad's the
1: mm-hmm. pastor somewhere. Yeah,
0: And because they're the pastor's kid, there there's, there is great benefits, and there is great challenges. Right. It's foolish to say there's no benefit to it because you are blessed right you are blessed to be raised in a we are blessed to be raised in a ministry home um but there are challenges you know people want they they expect you to be perfect they're they're very critical it can be it can bring criticism upon your parents right like you feel like if you mess up, it's not just you but you've the devil wants you to think you've tainted them somehow right they don't have a voice anymore because of your mistakes, things like that. Um, and I've seen I've seen people pressured into into accepting job positions that. Are they called to it? Maybe. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Right. And so I think that, um, for example, I have great respect for people like yourself mm-hmm. that have our confidence comes from God, right? Right. Not in some position we have or in some role that we fill. Right. right? Um, it takes confidence to be a PK and say, I am called to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do not feel a call to preach from a pulpit, but I'm called to the kingdom to make a difference, and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. And that's exactly what you do. Right. Right. You've always, you, you never felt that call to preach from a pulpit. Right. right. And I think that's just a testament of confidence in God. Right. Sure. Because how horrible would it be for you to try to just act like you felt to do something that you had never heard from God about. Right. Right right? And right. That, that you can't do that. And so here you are, you're 33 and you have not felt a call to preach. And sure, you've had people make comments, how, you know, why don't you feel a call to preach? Well, who said that you have to have a call to preach because your brother was called to preach? Right. You're still just as much in the, in the ministry as, as any of us, as anybody in the church, you're reaching people, you're involved. Now where people get hurt is, just because you don't feel a call to preach does not mean that you're not called to make a difference in the kingdom and serve in and the kingdom. And participate, yeah. But that's not at all the case for you. You're right. very involved. You minister every week. Right. You just don't feel a call to preach. Right. And that, that takes a confidence. That's not insecurity. That's confidence. Mm-hmm. That's, that's confidence in who God called you to be. Right. Sure. Um, when you look at the Bible, there's a lot more people that are called to other capacities than there are preachers. Right. Right. You yeah, can, you can sure. see who's called to be. A, this is this is not just my opinion. There's there's a biblical precedence here. Right. That. Sure. You see people like Paul and, and of course, the greatest preacher of all, Jesus Christ. Right. Right. And um, you see people like Peter And Simon Peter James John and and God called them to to go and share the gospel which is what preaching is right but um, there was also lots of people in the Bible that were serving the Lord and doing a great work for God that were not preaching in the synagogue
2: right exactly right
0: and so that's that takes a confidence from the Lord to do that your confidence and and see preachers fall into this is that if your self-worth comes from what you do then you will be in a very dangerous place as a preacher right because my self-worth does not come from the message i preached or the response that i get mm-hmm. my self-worth comes because god loves me and i'm his child
1: and you and you Relayed to the congregation what you feel led to mm-hmm. share.
0: Right, and that came from him. Right, right, exactly. And so, if here's the problem, it, I, Justin Kamlick shared this with me, but it started somewhere else. It just every time he shared it, I, I I don't know where it originated, but it's that that statement that says if you'll take the blame, you'll also take the credit. Okay. So, for example, if you preach a message. Or even, let's say, you play a song on the bass, right? Mm-hmm. This applies to any ministry. If you'll take the blame for how it went, then when when it went bad, then that attitude will also take the credit when it goes good.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: Because you think that it fails or wins based on you. Right. And that's not correct. Right. Jesus is the one who gets the glory here, right? Right. And just because the service didn't go a certain way doesn't mean it failed. Right. Right. And so we can't look at it with human eyes and try to see everything that's happening in, in the spirit. Right. So um, you have to be willing to approach your confidence in God and say, this is what I'm called to do. And, you know, you don't have to be called to preach from a pulpit uh, to teach a Bible study. Right. Right. Um and everybody's called to know the word of God and right. and to live by the word of God and hide his word in their heart. That mm-hmm. that's just being a believer. So preachers have to learn how to communicate it. But everybody is called to know it and live it. Right. That's I don't know good. if that kind of answers it. No,
1: that's good. And I think one of these questions here you've kind of touched on it a little bit in in that, but um well the question here was you know like what kind of advice would you give to a pk maybe that might be listening or out there that might be dealing with uh this this dilemma maybe where they feel the the pressure to follow in a footstep mm-hmm. or they feel like they have to feel a call to accomplish what's expected of them
2: yeah
1: um well, what would you tell that person
0: mm-hmm. I would tell them to look at somebody like yourself as a, a great godly example of somebody who has the confidence in God mm-hmm. to say, I'm not called to do that. But here's what I can do. And here's, here's the steps that I can take to be involved. And I would also encourage that that uh, maybe if you feel like you've missed the mark or you don't understand, maybe you were raised in a ministry family and you don't feel called, you know, to be a, a, a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or whatever, um, I would encourage you to get in the word, hide his word in your heart. Mm-hmm. And when you develop a prayer life, right, when you are in a healthy state of mind, that will not bother you anymore. Right. Right. When you are in an unhealthy place, which we can all get to when we're not prayed up, right? Because my confidence comes from Jesus loves me,
2: right? Right.
0: Like he loves me. I mean just as much to him as anybody else. Right. He loves me. Right. That's where my value comes from. Not in what I do you know if you're flipping burgers somewhere and you're living for God and and involved in the kingdom
1: and winning people to the Lord that you want then work
0: God doesn't yeah. care if you're a CEO or if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's he really doesn't right God's not impressed by the CEO and he's not underwhelmed by the person exactly cooking hamburgers he's looking at who is serving in the kingdom mm mm-hmm. and so don't don't get caught up with titles and by the way ministry is not about a title. You just get in there and you, you serve where the need is at. Right. You don't have to have a title to serve in ministry. You just, you know, uh, I, and I know I'm using you a lot as an example, but it's your podcast here. Sure. Okay. You serve in ministry.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Just
0: because you don't feel called to preach does not mean that you do not serve in ministry. Right. You do serve in ministry. Right. Um, of our church, you know, is currently serving in some capacity. Right. There's maybe 25% that really doesn't serve in any way. Right, exactly. And that's where you have, I know that sounds harsh, I'm just being honest. No, it's true. You, You can go to church and not serve. Right. Not bring anything to the table. Some people only take away from the table well they don't bring anything
1: so you you set me up to say this well is so if if you're listening and you're not involved in something but yet you come to church and Mm -hmm. you seem to always have something negative to say i don't want to hear it yeah (laughs) like i'm sorry like if you want to complain to me about the music being too loud but yet you don't want to participate anywhere i don't care Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) y'all it's always gonna be mad at me i know but see, I
0: John know. has a voice. The big see, you have the advantage of not being called to preach, <laughs> right? Because I mean, sometimes you can just lay it out on the line. Yeah, I'm telling you. You know, sometimes when you serve in a role or uh, capacity, you have to be so careful with people's. You have feelings. you have
1: the shepherd responsibility over people. Right. I, I, and there's
0: I, an overarching right. goal. Yep. That sometimes you have to let things slide. Right. Because of the the bigger picture. You exactly know? right. So, you please please use the whatever podcast. To serve in ministry and speak these things because, um, anybody can walk into a church and find negative things. Yeah. It's going to be in every church, you know, um, you get what you put in, right? right? If you, if you want to see it be better, you know, then go be the change you want to see, right? Right. If you weren't treated kind, then walk in there and treat people with kindness, right? You know, don't, don't be mad that you weren't treated with kindness, But did you treat anybody with kindness or did you just sit there offended that nobody (laughs) treated you with kindness? Well, exactly.
1: And I get so frustrated when, you know, you'll have someone say something like, oh, this didn't sound so good or this wasn't the way I, you know, I think it should have been. And then you'll say, oh, well, do you want to get involved and help? No. Okay. Well, then don't then then don't tell me anything. Don't give me don't give me all this criticism. That's not even constructive. And then not offer a solution. Yeah. It's it's just
0: it's ridiculous. If you're going to bring a problem be a part of the solution
2: right
1: if, if not just you're say, just being a, the if not you're just hindering the spirit mm. i mean because you, you you know you're going to hinder somebody who's trying to minister and and you're mm. going to undermine their efforts by just criticizing mm. those elements of so i found part happening. two of your title i got it
0: starbucks is too loud people complain too much get involved people complain too much right um which i i like your title. i like your lengthy titles i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna probably steal that a little bit because the analytics don't lie. People like to hear two or three recaps in the title of what you're gonna be talking about. I listened to a podcast the other day and it was like uh, foot washing. It it said uh, foot washing, mega churches, and social media. (laughs) That was the title. That was it. And I was like, Hmm. weirdly enough, I really want to see how they talk about all three of those things in this episode. So. I love it, and um, anyways, to just uh, put a bow on the on the top of that, um, just get involved and serve. Right, what, you know, and, find and, something and, you can do mm-hmm. to be a, a positive body, influence. We're we're called the body of Christ, right? Um, if if the body's all all hands or all arms or all legs or all feet, that's weird, right? right? There has to be different components working together, right. to be the body of Christ. So right. to get in, be involved. Not everybody's going to be the same. It can't be the same. Even ministry can't be the same. There's five-fold ministry, right? Right. So it, it's it's Bible. It's in there. Get in there. Read it. We don't have time to d- dive into it today. Right. But get in there. There is a place for everybody to be involved in the kingdom of God.
1: Well, Nate, I appreciate it. Um, thank you for taking the time to sit down and join hey, me today. This has been this
0: so, so fun. It's I've been loved so much fun getting to talk to you. And I just want to say. I am so excited that you are doing this podcast now. Um, I think your voice is really important. Well, and, I appreciate uh, it. And I love the episodes. Please keep going. It's, it's a lot of work. Trust me, I know. It's a lot of work. But keep going because it's blessing people. And uh, just I want to encourage every listener um, to go follow whatever with Jonathan French on Apple uh, podcast on spotify all leave, over the place go do do us do me a favor stop what you're doing right now if you enjoyed this episode and go leave jonathan a five-star rating and review on apple podcast leave him questions there submit things to him i think he has an email address I do. and all it's that
1: whatever uh the podcast at yahoo.com
0: you heard it right here folks so um if this episode blessed you and you want more great weekly content go do that for Jonathan it'll be a blessing to him so we can get more apostolic voices out there. So John thanks for having me on
1: man I've been Thank you this. so much. Well y'all these were my thoughts, these were my my opinions but whatever.